Welcome to Zoo TV, y'all. And welcome to our second episode of Under a Bootleg Sky. I'm Chris. And I'm Andrew. And tonight we're going to be discussing Zoo TV live in Dublin from August 28, 1993. But before we get into that, we just want to do a, uh, a special shout out to everybody who tuned in to episode one, where we talked about Love Town uh, from Dublin as well. Uh, got a lot of good response to that. So thank you guys so much for listening. Um, did want to just make one uh, quick correction that listener Alan Bird pointed out in the uh, famous uh, New Year's countdown. Uh, we mentioned that, that uh, we thought that was Neil McCormick, but it was actually Dave Fanning, uh, who is another uh, Irishman who is uh, instrumental in U2's early career and, and really helped them get, get started. So, Alan, thank you for pointing that out and thank you for listening. All right. Um, and as you guys may be able to tell, Andrew has his new mic. Let's all give him a round of applause. Check, check. One, two, three. All right. So, Zoo TV, we're back in Dublin again, um, where, as we said last time, U2 oftentimes puts on their best shows. Um, and we moved to Zoo TV this time to kind of, by a lot of people's standards and sometimes by ours too, is uh, another high point um, in U2's live career. For sure. I, you know, as I was getting ready to listen to this and just thinking about just our kind of personal U2 history, I think this is the first really live connection we had with the band and it was a a laser disc if if you guys out there have heard of that uh before <laughs> but it was a a laser disc that that we had growing up that we certainly uh had on a lot and was really like i said our first kind of view into seeing you two on the live stage and um a lot of these songs and moments from uh that show which was the sydney show which i'm sure a lot of you have seen but a pretty similar show to what we're going to discuss tonight. Yeah, a only a couple moments. months. Only a couple months later. Yeah, but a lot of those moments stuck with us, and and it was really influential to to getting us into you two early on. Yeah, the I mean, we'll get to it, but the, I think the intro was the biggest thing for us. Seeing coming up on the blue screen, uh, yeah. Bono coming out of the stage, and then doing the kicks. Yeah, to the that, beat of Zoo Station, that was that was something uh, our adolescent selves imitated frequently. <laughs> Could never get that leg up though that high. Yeah, no. um, but just yeah, just a couple uh, of kind of some highlights, some notes about the the tour, the show, in in particular before we kind of start breaking it down track by track. But um, similar to the uh, Love Town show we did first. Uh, which was supposed to be the last scheduled show of, of that tour, that leg. This is the last, uh, what they called the Zoopa show before they packed up the tour and went to Australia for what they called Zoomerang. But uh, this was the last uh, show for the Zoopa tour. So kind of the end of uh, uh, the European uh, journey of, of uh, the Zoo TV tour. It kind of had a couple of different iterations. And I think this was kind of the, the peak, the culmination of all the ideas they had when the tour started in the in early 92. But it started as an indoor show um, with a much smaller stage set up. Uh, still had this television screens and the, the TV station idea, but nowhere near to the grand stage that it got to at this point uh, with into outside broadcast and into the Zeropa aspect they're doing uh, here through Europe. But 
Um, you know, you have cars hanging from the, from the, the rigging, you have six or seven huge televisions and then a lot of small screens as well. But, um, just the, the technology that went into the show at the time was really unprecedented, unprecedented. And, and you can, honestly, I, I was watching some clips and of this show as well as, you know, Sydney again, but, um, even by today's standards, I think it's pretty impressive looking, uh, just the stage. I mean, the screens aren't that big, but there's it just the way the stage looks is still really cool in my opinion and the cars the, add a lot i mean and the cars are actually they're not just hanging there they're they provide lighting for the stage yeah. as well and the, which the lighting really cool. the lighting is great and this uh, i believe this is the first tour that ever had a b stage where the band can come down get a different perspective get a little bit closer to the audience obviously something they've used ever since then and a lot of bands uh have, have kind of taken that idea and, and grown it as well Another thing to kind of tie into this is, you know, they were just to release a new album. I don't, I didn't actually look up the dates for when Zeropa was released, but um, they were recording the Zeropa album while they were touring Nocturne Baby or while they were touring the early parts of Zoo TV, um, which gives that album a, a totally different feel than a lot of their other records. And pretty cool for them to be able to add those songs into the set list they already had going for Zoo TV. Yeah. And, and Bono even makes a comment about that during the, show about how they're still basic more or less learning how to play them just a, a little background for people who may not be familiar with this era of u2 this is coming basically right after our last show uh, where we discussed the love town tour rattle and hum and all that mm-hmm. and so zoo tv becomes this big uh response to not not really the critics, but their perception of themselves, I would say, more so than anything. They they kind of got labeled as being like this super serious, pretentious rock band. They didn't feel they were, but they kind of took it to the extreme here and just tried to be the super cool, nonchalant rock stars. And even though it's a joke, to me, I think it's probably the coolest they ever were, honestly. Um, it, it's just... A totally different attitude you get from them and and that kind of carries at least with bono it seems it kind of carried with him for a while like i, I think kind of i think kind of like how it felt maybe and just kind of continued on and obviously they took it to the next level maybe a bit too far for for pop and pop art on the next tour which i'm sure we'll get to that uh, on one of these episodes the whole attitude of the era it's something that i think they definitely became uh more comfortable with as it went on and we're seeing them now you know, late mid to late 93 when they've been in, in these personas, especially Bono with the fly McFisto Mirabal man in these personas for a year and a half, two years. But, you know, it's just so interesting to go and watch, especially Bono and interviews. And, and he, you know, he's playing these personas, which kind of mold into himself or into Bono as, uh, as the more he's acting or being these uh, alter egos, but, you know, it's not like it just started randomly halfway through the tour. It's like they made their mind up when we start our press release for Octone Baby, this is kind of the image we're going for. And I I love that so much because honestly it it was a big risk and it really worked. Like it was, it was basically start touring Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band where you were a totally different band. Uh, But, but it worked all, all the way through. Look at Rabbit Hum. 
look at all on the watchtower, you know, Bono and whatever you want to call that hat, little vest, you know, <laughs> thinking he's cool, spray painting the wall, you know, whatever, rock and roll stops traffic. And then go watch, you know, it's probably, it was 89, so now we're early 92, so, you know, two and a half years later, whatever it is, and watch them, all the MTV interviews going into Lakeland, which was their opening night of ZooTV, and just Bono doing these interviews, it's not even the same guy. Just the responses and everything, it's, it's like, the epit- to me, the epitome of rock and roll, the epitome of coolness. Appreciate you too. A lot of the fans we talked to afterwards were wondering why you guys made the decision not to do some of the stuff from the earlier albums. Didn't want to. Just had enough of doing that over the years already? Just wasn't where, you know, just wasn't, just wasn't what we were feeling like right now. You know, we're, we're into Zoo TV. You know, that's that's where we're at. I'm into it, we're into it, and I really think that the real U2 fans that have been around, they'll be into it. We might lose some of the pop kids, but we don't need them. I'm gonna go. Hair slicked back, blackout sunglasses on, very little emotion, you know, my way or the highway. And, you know, there's just some quotes that, uh, in, in some of those interviews that just, you know, just listen to that. It's just an attitude that they have that it's their way or the highway. They know the direction they want to go into and they're not going to listen to any of the outside influences. And, you know, maybe that's the attitude that, that we wish we'd see, see them have a little bit more today. Another thing I wanted to bring up before we get into the show I think maybe both Adam and Edge have implied that they're discussing the possibility, at least, of a 30th anniversary tour of Zoo TV. In my opinion, I love the idea, honestly, because the songs are great, the performance will be great, all that. But when they did the redo of Joshua Tree tour, they kept trying to say like how they thought the songs were more relevant now than they were back then. I never really got that feeling. I mean, lyrically, not really. Like they're, they're songs in their mind about America, which America's always a topic, I guess. But but these songs actually seem more prescient now um, because of like the whole screen type deal, like that tour, not necessarily the songs, right. I guess, but the tour seems more uh, applicable to today than ever, maybe. Willie Williams, you know, put something in front of him and he'll uh, he'll take it to the extreme. So I'm sure he'd be able to come up with, with something, but it's just, I don't know. U2 is very self-conscious on how they look to the world. And I don't know if they want to do two anniversary tours in less than five years. I don't know if that's right. really the d- direction they want to go. Sure. Like you said, we would be the first in line to get tickets. I know a lot of fans would too, but you know, I would also love to see them maybe incorporate some zoo tv into that whether it's like on a you know a section of the stage or some the, the stage can move or that can roll out i don't know something like that as opposed to maybe a, a whole tour again because you know the joshua tree thing was awesome but it was just really three years ago but actually one year ago because they just redid it you know in australia so right. i i really think they, they'd try to get at least another tour in between before jumping into that that'd be my fault though Do you want to go ahead and get into the tracks? Uh, Let's do it. All right. The famous intro of Zoo TV. (laughs) 
there's there's just so much going on and you know that's that's a theme here is just the sensory overload um that visual auditory um oh man it's just so many iconic things um obviously we've got the television drug drug of a nation something i really love about some of these bootlegs uh, especially this one which we'll say right now is recorded incredibly well uh honestly i think it's probably better than the new year's night we just listened to because the bass is there uh, big time so it's it's really nice to listen to this but um and for those of you who are just sitting in front of your computer to listen to this show it's also on youtube with a I think a two cam mix, which is great quality, especially for 1992. So, or 93. So, uh, right. So you get a lot of the visual aspect as well there. Um, but something I really love is when in these bootlegs, you obviously you're, you're not seeing anything, but you can tell when the lights go down and the crowd just like explodes with excitement. Um, It's just, it's a really cool feeling. Obviously, you know, most of us have been to concerts where that's the case and we know how that feels. So it's, it's, it's cool to get that feeling a little secondhand uh, through this. And then, you know, we go into the, the, the drums from, you know, I think a couple of different or some the Nazi, Nazi youth. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a big, that's, that's something they, they, they hint at a lot here is uh, Nazis. I, well, well, I guess having, having come out of Germany and Berlin, I think maybe that, Germany, that was on their the fall, You know, Germany, fall of the Berlin Wall, Hansa Studios, you know, that whole that whole thing, I think just they definitely took that. And, you know, there's even a lot of, not a lot, but there's a couple of German references in the songs, Zoo Station and, uh, and Stay, obviously Europa. as well. Zeropa, yeah. But yeah, the intro, you know, I, I have my sheet, best U2 intro of all time, and then I crossed out U2 and just said, probably one of the best musical intros of all time. And it really got me into, because as I said, we were young when we first started seeing this, that, you know, it's an art form of how you take the stage and how you present yourself, you know, and everyone has their own way of doing it. And you two's done it very modestly, uh, even back on Elevation, you know, it's a fairly modest intro to this being one of the, if not the greatest intros of all time, you know, it says a lot that the crowd can get so hyped before the band even takes the stage, just with all the buildup happening and it gets faster. And then you get the Zuropa, what do you want dropping in there? And it just builds and builds and builds. And the, 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 the opera or the choir comes in and then, you know, Bono rises up with the uh, EU uh, stars and they slowly, you know, crumble as a, as edge kicks it in. And it's just, it's, it's, just amazing. It, I, I yeah. would love to be, I would love to have been just in the room as they're creating that and then just see it like just to get the, the guy's reaction when they actually see how just awesome it is. Not only are they great at um, pre-show opening, but the actual first song they choose as yeah. their first song on, I wouldn't say every tour, but uh, it's just such, you know, a kick in the face when, when it starts. Thank you. 
if you hadn't heard the album, you you wouldn't know you were seeing U2. Um, right. Even when you heard the album, probably for the first time, you didn't think you were hearing U2. But, what, is this uh, rap, what is this rap music starting this thing off? What is this <laughs> trash can that the drummer's hitting on? Um, but no, I mean, just that intro is so great. Um, and they even they even just for the very beginning of Larry's part, they boost the drums to make it even more raunchy sounding just for the intro till he comes in for the normal beat. Obviously the album version is great, but this just has an energy. And, it does. And you know, and you I, know what I think it is, is the, uh, obviously you've got the really heavy distorted guitar part, but when it gets to like the clean kind of edge sounding guitar part, that's something that's not really there on the album. It's a little more kind of like spacey sounding at that part. Right. But when you get that, it's just kind of, it's a nice little break from the other part. One thing I find myself doing when I was to the album version is after crawling around on my hands and knees. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I'll be crawling. That is, uh, I, I just, I, 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 I just love that. It's just, you know, it's just, the, it's just the mood. It's just the the mood of Zoo TV, um, and it goes back to that, you know, that confidence. But uh, this version too, I love the sleeping in my own bed tonight. It's all right. 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 Sleeping in my own bed tonight. Right. Love that. There's a lot. There's that. a lot of those shout outs to Dublin in this concert, or you know, the fact that he's at home or whatever. There's a lot of right. that. You and know, you know, kind of the same thing where you were talking about the oh yeah. There's the part later where he says. so strong the energy of this because the intro to the show the the all of that together that energy has never been matched to me um end of the fly uh i I love the you know i guess you'd call it acapella drums to start you know so that's that's a big thing for me is the drums in this song because they've they've switched it up lately um so this version on zoo tv as well as the album it's got a drum beat that's like i I wouldn't call it a caveman drum beat but it's primal sounding we'll say i guess um and then you know they go to 360 when they start playing it a lot more um and larry played it just like a straight up rock beat which I'll be honest, annoyed me because this this drum beat is so cool. And a lot of the drum beats on this are very cool and very inventive. And there's a lot of times where he just doesn't play the hi-hat where a normal rock drummer would just, you know, do on the hi-hat. But he's got a lot of cool stuff going on here. 
this is probably my favorite version of the fly that yeah, we'll, we'll ever hear from. Straightforward, just hardcore rock and roll. Um, and of course, we've got Bono on guitar again, which yep, yep. we won't talk. We talked plenty about last time, but it's lovely <laughs> to hear it. It yep. really is. Yeah, I got a couple examples of that in this show, but yeah, you know, talk, once again, talk about Edge backing vocals. The the love shot, you know. That part with him seeing the high part, Bono coming in, full power, you know, opera lady style, however you want to say it. And you uh, know, I, on, just, on the album, that's that's Bono doing the high part. Yeah, I know. Which so, is, and they they give it to Edge here, and it's it's funny that the album is Bono, but I think pretty much for everyone who's ever heard or seen them live, this is like Edge's part. Like everyone's gonna yeah. think of Edge when they hear that part. But this is another example of. Me liking the you know just how Octane Baby was recorded. I love Bono's Bono doing the that part. Well, of the album. I mean it, it's hard to beat Mr. B. Uh. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Larry. You know, unlike a lot of the other guys, I love the Elvis movies. <laughs> what? I, I mean, I know what you're referencing, but I don't understand what you mean. I, I was just saying, like you know, I was saying I I love that. Okay. <laughs> Other people didn't, maybe. Obviously, we've got one of Edge's best guitar solos ever. Um. And again, that that's something that I think he was kind of out to prove on on this album as well as on this tour. That he, I mean, he was a guitar hero. Like he he could play guitar. He didn't just do the chimey where the streets have no name sound. He could actually play guitar. Um, and right. you know, we got glimpses of that on Love Town with you know all along the Watchtower solos um, and different things. But. Uh, he he really kicks it into high, uh, another gear um, on this tour, no doubt. You know, recently they started kind of doing an extended outro, where it's kind of turned into like a little bit of a jam. And I, I keep talking about this Berlin thing from the fan club, and you know, I, I, I did very recently watch it, so I saw it's on my mind. But that was a very rocking version at the end, and it had that ex- long extended outro, which you know they kind of cut it off short here, and they play it very straightforward, right. which is still a great version, but. I do like the extended outro when and they, they kind of get jammy. They do that on 362 and extended a while. And I, I kind of go back and forth. Like, um, it's hard for me to say which I prefer, but. Uh...
then we go into the the speech, which kind of gives Bono a chance to show off some of the technology they have and do some, you know, ultimate fly quotes, you know, hope it sounds as good as it looks. And, uh, you know, I, well, I'll save the next one for, to see if you have any thoughts on this, but just, you know, this is kind of the time Bono can throw out some of those, some of those fly quotes. Right. And you, you know what I love so much about it and hopefully you don't dash my dreams here, but as far as I know, except for a couple planned things that they had, th- it was like really all random what he was changing the television to. Yeah, um, uh, and he, he was making, you know, live comments on it. Like he didn't have it pre pre-written or scrolling through the teleprompter. So it's, it's something that more or less would never happen by YouTube standards of today. Like he, he doesn't give himself free reign to say things on the, on the fly. <laughs> For this one ends, and, I, and I've seen it, I didn't watch it this time, but I've seen it before, and it's like an infomercial selling like a, um, you know, a country music CD collection or whatever it may be. And he just goes to No. That's more like a Heartbreak Hotel, Love Me Tender, 24 original super sounds. And then just boom, and they're into even better the real thing. And the transition out of that little speech every night was just yeah, was awesome. That's, that's one think, of my favorite think, things they do. I think this is one of the best. I think this is one yeah. of the best. But they they do that so well with even better than the real thing. Like, and they're they're even doing it now. Well, on the experience tour, like Bono does his little speech, and then Edge kind of kicks off into the you know the intro sound, and it's just such a cool way to start the song. Um, yep however they're doing it basically yeah and you know i talked about zoo station not really having the energy match ever since i i feel like this one even more so doesn't feel as strong as it used to whether it's bono's vocals or uh, i doubt it would say it's edge but just feels a little weaker especially you know and 360 was kind of the remix version i thought that wasn't too bad but you know how they played it on the B stage, I don't know, just but just unexperienced and in a sense just didn't have the have the same feel as this straightforward power rock. But this version's great. Intro, solo, the guitar tone. Edge again. This is another guitar solo that it's this. This one's not as flashy as the fly, but it's a fantastic slide guitar solo, which he probably doesn't get enough credit as a slide guitar player either. Um, uh, and you know, well, Dallas. There's a couple of interviews with Dallas where he talks about his slide playing and really you know compliments him. But yeah, I agree. It's Dallas great- Shoe being Edge's guitar tech. Uh, he has some great slide solos. Obviously, a lot recent. Uh, recent ones as well but this is probably the one he's this one the mysterious ways probably be the ones he's most well known for mysterious ways 
I will, and I think you know this about me, until I really started listening to these bootlegs and heard these Zoo TV versions, I was never a big fan of this song. I just thought it was kind of like the start of their pop hits or whatever. Um, but man, this this is the best. We'll, we'll get to the part I'm thinking of specifically, but uh, it's a great little, you know, they tease the intro out with like the, a little synth part and then the guitar comes in. And it's an extended intro as compared to the album. Um, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, the synth part kind of starts the song actually. Right. And I think, and I love it. And Edge kind of playing around a little bit, Bono playing around. And then they kick into it. The only detractor that I have from this, Say and it. it's something you turned me on to a long time ago, was just the keyboards. And oh my the gosh. Part, the keyboards. Why, the why are they there? Thing. Why, why does Edge have to do that? And it's so loud. Did you notice that? It's, it's louder than the guitar. It's louder than not the vocals. Only it, not only is it loud, it's just like, it doesn't even fit with the song. It's like I know. A, it, it's, it sounds like a fourth grader learning the first four notes of a song or something. It, it, it's, not, it's not groovy like the rest of the it, song is. Yeah, it just, it, it's, you know, they drop it after the first verse. Or right. He only plays it that, that, for that intro just the, the the whole vibe of the song after that adam slipping sliding all over the place did you hear adam uh after i think it's after the first chorus going into the second verse um it sounds like he's like slapping the bass guitar like it's like it just sounds so rough like he's punching it almost it's it's very interesting you know it, this is a band song for sure as a lot of these first few ones are which i'll talk about here in a second but another an, another thing with mysterious ways that i didn't notice after the first little guitar run i don't know if it's a solo there kind of a string part comes in maybe an extent uh, a synth part but it definitely sounded like strings to me It's on the album too. I, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think it is on the album, but I was mentioning that because it, for, I felt like that took over the part where my favorite guitar part comes in. Because my favorite guitar part is the uh, one day you were half out of love, dun, 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 dun. and you know they don't play that right. part. Which, I think uh, he does, but I think you're right. I think it kind of gets drowns it out. 
drowned out by the uh, synth part. But yeah, I I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, But you know, another part you want to talk about is I feel you come for love. Okay, okay. I don't need to hear you do it. So they end the song like normal, and then that synth, the same synth that was in the intro comes back, and then, you know, we hear the bass start to come in, and then Edge kicks it off with another slide guitar solo, which is fantastic. Um, Totally new to the song. The second solo is the best. But all that aside, possibly my favorite part of the entire Zoo TV tour is the incredibly high notes Bono hits after the guitar solo i honestly it may be the highest note he's ever hit like it's so high and so amazing i there's not even words enough to describe how much i love the way that sounds yeah and i I agree and obviously his falsetto on zoo tv was never better and especially this late or this point of the tour he definitely has found a comfort he's he's found the comfort in his voice but you know i said that his falsetto has warmed up in full force now because you know it's the third fourth song it's a fourth song and he's had some high parts like especially in even better than the real thing but with the take me higher but you can definitely tell he's warmed up and he's he's got a, a sweat on now and he's and he's in, 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 in and even right after he hits those incredibly high notes he goes right back into the full full power voice i, I just i i can't get over that and, and this this version is one of the best examples of that of all the zoo tvs i think i've heard yeah it's great it's just that that first verse with the keyboards takes uh takes a little bit away from me but uh yeah the the second half definitely makes up for all that but i think one is the song we probably had the the biggest reaction just because it's the biggest it was the biggest song off that album sure um but you know i noted that the way they played the song was totally different than the way they play the song now uh, it just felt like it was more of a now it's almost bigger than a song and it's more sing-along i'm not saying it's campy but it does have just not well you i mean like feel to it in our experience a lot of this versions of one that we've seen he's you know let the crowd sing the first and maybe yeah. second verses and i'm um, not even talking which, about that though but i feel like the i feel like the arrangement and the synth part is louder 
the bendy guitar part, that part is turned up much more. And it sounds to me more of like the studio version. Um, but yeah, you know, that, that part with the, uh, the bending guitar strings, I, I love that part. And again, we've got Bono on guitar here. I don't know if you heard this, it's pretty faint in the mix, but it's him on guitar and he's kind of doing like a little solo himself where he's bending the guitar strings as well. But it, it, it's low down in the mix, but you can hear him kind of just bending that note. You can you can tell he's feeling it when he's doing little extra things on guitar like yeah. that. Exactly. Um, and then, of course, at the end of the song, we get the fantastic Hear Me Coming Lord um, snippet, which was poss- probably added onto the end of every version of one on Zoo TV. Um, and then tagged on the end, we get Unchained Melody, Bono accompanying himself on guitar, um, which, again, I believe it was played at every uh, Zoo TV show after one. Is that correct? Probably, yeah. Um, which is weird to me. I, I don't know. Like, Have they ever had a tour that had such a cover? And, I mean, we get that at the end as well of this tour that was so central and like never changing. Yeah, I, 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 pro- I mean, probably not. Especially, I mean, it's not like he's just singing two lines of Unchained Melody. He's singing like, you know, a verse and a half pretty much. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and it's great. You know, and, and actually the, an official release of Unchained Melody too, which is a little also good. Oh, yeah, a little overproduced, but yeah. it's. Um, <laughs> and then Until the End of the World, which uh, coming out great, of... Great um, transition again. Exactly. You get like the sound of the bombs dropping and everything. Um and then we hear the famous little sample at the beginning. And you, you might have the numbers on this, but this is probably the song that is not like a hit song or a, you know, a single that has been played the most. I would be, be yeah. willing to bet. I uh, mean, it, it's, it's been on so many tours. Yeah. And I think YouTube loves playing. I think it's a song they feel like can, is um, one of their rockers that they could really put anywhere in a set list and, has a lot of different places where it fits but it's kind of that mid-show song they can throw in and it transitions into and out of stuff pretty well and again Uh, you know edge wants to show off he's got another fantastic guitar solo
bottom line is they enjoy playing the song. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Adam's and, got a gro- grooving baseline that that's moving around the neck on that one too. Um, yeah. So uh, like yeah. you said, I think they all enjoy playing it. Um, and you kind of said this about some of the other songs, but in, in my opinion, and I'm not sure if it's just cause you know, I'm so in love with these you two of the eighties and the early nineties, but this just feels so much more aggressive especially that outro at the end, um, it, you know, it's a little extended and it, it, ju- it just feels heavier and more aggressive to me. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the tone and, and the bootleg too is really good quality and it's loud. So that helps. But I think Bono's vocal tone and power that adds a lot to it. And then is this rock and roll? Which goes back to critics, you know, saying, is YouTube even a rock band, whatever, you know, where, where, what kind of band are they? Uh, I think that's kind of why he does the, is this rock and roll? Like, is this hard enough for you? Is this rock and roll enough for you? Um, yes. The answer is yes, Bono. <laughs> and then we've got another, what has become a classic pairing um, of until the end of the world to New Year's Day, um, which... How, how do you feel about New Year's Day here? I mean, obviously, we, we love we love them together, but as far as at Zoo TV. Yeah, I think they, they kind of, quote-unquote, zooed it up a little bit. Um, you know, great transition, and that guitar in the intro has a little more feedback on it. dirtier sounding right. i guess it's the less i guess it's the less paul i just didn't change guitar you know i it's it's a great performance of the song but i would just prefer to not have it at zoo tv before they started playing it outside it was who's gonna white ride your wild horses in this spot which um i love a because i love the song but b because it's just you know they go through the first eight or nine songs are all octong baby like it's like this is our new sound. We love it. I don't care if you love it. We don't need the pop kids. So uh, listen to these songs. And, you know, they bring in New Year's Day, which just feels so out of place. And I know they played Sunday, Bloody Sunday um, at, at a couple Zoo TV shows. And uh, they actually did I Will Follow at a couple too. But um, this... I don't, I, it just seems weird. Yeah. And especially with the song on the other side, numb and then trying to throw your arms around the world. Maybe if they had saved it for later in the set, when they kind of go back to their normal sound, I, I would have yeah. been more okay with it. But right I here, it just, it just seems weird. Like, I, I don't know. I, I would rather it be someplace else just, if they had to play I guess, it. Yeah. I guess I've just gotten used to it being in that slot, the transition slot. But right. even though who's going to any, and once again, talking about, why until the end of the world is so good anything good is going to sound cool coming out of that kind of fuzzy faded out yeah. intro you yeah. can kick in really whatever you want and who's going to ride the road horses sounded good too i think i'm just kind of used to that transition but i think another thing and it's even more apparent now 
is the more you two is on tour, the more you start to see the tour not become a greatest hits tour because it's by no means what happened to this, but they start sliding out some of the so, some of the newer songs they felt like may fit, may not fit, and putting in some of their older songs at that point too. They probably want to change, but then they just know those songs are going to have a different reaction as well. Um, sure. Second verse, Bono speaks the whole thing. He doesn't even sing it. He just speaks it. And then it's like, has he lost his voice or what? And But then he comes back in with the say it's true, it's true part, which is, again, just so incredibly hard to sing. Um, maybe he was just kind of s- saving up for that. Um, but it's, it's kind of interesting to hear him just speak it. And again, I mean, this isn't anything new, but it's another classic Edge guitar solo. Um, again, I think he's just on a mission to show, like, watch me play, basically. So moving on to now. I always love the the recorded intro because once again, I think, you know, they're just kind of like calling out to the critics, just saying like, you know, the, the kids haven't been very happy with our stuff these days. They say they want <laughs> something different. And then just kicks into that awesome guitar part. Um, and this is, I think again, this as when we were young, you know, before we had kind of experienced all of you two, this was probably our favorite song. And this, this would be one of the few, where I would say the album ve- version is better than the live version. I don't feel like this is ne- I feel like this is a cool live song, but I don't feel like it's better than the recorded version. Um, for That's one, probably true. Uh, I'm assuming Bono's vocals are recorded. I, I yeah, I'm pretty sure they are. And you know that's one of the highlights on the the studio version is his um, is his is his backing vocals. And you know I think I think even in this version and I. I haven't listened closely enough to zoo tv recently to say but it sounded like edge's guitar pedal wasn't working right like the flanger pedal was not flanging like it should be for this guitar part it just sounded kind of stuck I don't know if that's the case or maybe, maybe not, but, um, but you know, there, there's some added sound effects in this version that are yeah, really the cool. Samples, the samples are great. I absolutely love all the samples. Uh, I think that does add to the, uh, and you know, the record intro I talked about, but that does definitely add to uh, the overall feel of the song. Um, but trying to throw your arms around the world comes next, which I, I, I love this song. I, I love the song on the album. I love it here as the and this is this is basically a transition song from like the straight ahead rock that we've had 
minus one um, into them kind of going back to their classic sound or their, you know, sing along songs we'll get to, but um, it's just such a, it's a fun song. Every version I've heard, it sounds like they're having fun playing it. Um, Bono's bringing up someone on the stage this time, Adam's fiance, uh, supermodel Naomi Campbell, which is a nice little special treat. Yep. And and I wrote down, you know, why not? This is one that you wonder why they don't play this song more nowadays. Yeah, you're you're, you're exactly right. Only played on one tour. You know, I I could have really seen this fitting on uh, Elevation or um, even Vertigo down, down there at the smaller stage. But just it's a fun song. I think they rehearsed it for 360 or really something else recently. Yeah. But it's, um, it's, it's just a fun song has, you know, kind of a different music vibe than probably the most similar song to mysterious ways musically vibe wise. It's kind of groovy. Yeah, exactly. And then they've got the little extra bridge on this song. Adam even gives a little extra, you know, with the, I guess Naomi's probably doing something flirtatious or something. And he goes, uh, you know, some quick slides there at the end, which is, which is pretty cool. And then as Naomi's leaving the stage, we get Bono singing, here comes the bride uh, to the opening uh, guitar chords of Angel of Harlem. Nice little shout out to his friend and fiance. Unfortunately, the I don't think the marriage ever happened, but um, I don't think so. uh, it's nice. It's a nice little moment. And then, as you started talking about in the last episode, here we are at the sing-alongs <laughs> that have not left the set list uh, ever. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the start of that kind of U two. Uh, the B stage. I mean, they moved to the B stage for this song, and it's the start of them picking up acoustic guitars and just doing doing stuff for the crowd. You know, trying to get the crowd into it. And I, I watched some of the video of it, and they're definitely having fun playing it. It seems like. Right. Um, so, if, if anything that, that I'm, I'll take from it is that it's nice to know they're having fun doing it. Um, but you know, as I said on the last one, I. I only really appreciate like the love down versions where it's the full band with. Uh, yeah. And, and I think these are more or less designed for the people who are there. These songs, the B stage sure. songs, cause you're not going to get amazing performances. You're going to get fun crowd interactions, sing now, you know, that part and everything is, is, is real nice. But for the most part, I think these are songs that these, these B stage songs, especially on, on Zoo TV are things more, when you're there, it's kind of a fun vibe, but, you know, listening to the rehashed version, it's not, so especially something we've heard so many times before and so many, so many done very similar ways, sure. which I mean, you know, talking about 
just New Year Day, New Year's Day fit. I mean, yeah, I know Rattling Home was the last album, but why are we playing Love When Love Comes to Town? <laughs> you it know, just seems so out of like a here's a blues song in the middle of our Euro pop, you know. Well, they they kind of they kind of you know they bring everything down with trying to throw your arms around the world, start having fun, and it's, then it's just you know a small little fun set, and you know the first time when I was listening to it this time through the first time I came to when love comes down I you know I kind of rolled my eyes I was like okay they just wanted to play this one of the singles from the last album but Bono is having so much fun he's like doing Elvis impressions basically he's at one point he's shoves the mic in adam's face and adam yeah. sings the line yeah. before love comes to town and then edge sings a verse So I, I really think they're all having fun doing it. Um, and, you know, at, at a certain point, that fun kind of becomes infectious. And I, I, I actually ended up really enjoying the, the, yes, the, sound, the yes. The yes sound really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, stay. Far away, so close. I wrote down Strummer version because I haven't listened to a ZTV version of this song in so long. I'm used to Edge, you know, kicking it off, and you know, Bono does the first, the intro, I guess, first verse or whatever, kind of strumming along, which is, is nice. I also put down: Has any band done more with the oohs and ahs in a song? <laughs> That's. I mean, how many? Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins, like it was several years back, but he he's like any band that has a song with like a whoa 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 chorus in it needs to pay royalties to you two. Yeah, they have so many. I was just I wrote that down because I just started thinking. I'm like, geez, how many songs they have of, of uh, uh, lyricless melody part? Yeah, yeah, but that's you know. It's 
and, and it's a little different because obviously it's a it's still on the B stage, but it's a new song, so it has you know it's a different feel than uh, Angel Parliament. Um, and yeah, th- this is where he makes the comment that. Well, it was a fine thing writing some songs and putting out a record while you're still on tour. But it's another thing trying to play the fucking things. And then we go into another cover, which we didn't even think about this. Um, so this is something they played almost every night. But I always love this version. This made so me buy much. before Spotify. This made me buy the uh, one uh, single so I could have this B-side. Yeah. Um, and it's so interesting. We'll talk about this, this different version in a second, but it's so interesting. That song is so, to me, original, non-musical, non-melodic, and they turn into such a beautiful sound yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, and just, um, I mean, I think it's kind of a quintessential U2 sound in that you have Edge doing the picking of the chord and Bono singing with great power control and the falsetto. It's just kind of the quintessential of that time. It just sounds sure. unbelievable. They kind of act like they're simulcasting Lou Reed on the uh, on the screen, and I remember um, that this is that was a big deal. Yeah, um, that you know everyone was really surprised or didn't know how they were doing that. Um, and they thought Lou it, Reed was backstage. Yeah, yeah, um, but they they pulled it off and, and made it work, and it was a it, it you know looking back now for us it's not anything special but. Really cool at the time. Definitely. Next up is bad, and really from this point to the end of the main set, it's just you know may, you could argue running, but it's really just monster songs here from here to the end of the main set, and um, and for the most part, it. it's back it's back to that classic U two sound, especially you know not in the encore maybe not as much, but you know we've got bad here, and then we'll, we'll talk about the rest, but you know, but well, um, yeah, I mean you you say that this person class of U two, yes it is with the song with the tracks and streets and pride for sure but you know bad bullet and running all have their zoo tv twist on them which uh, sure uh b- bad to a lesser extent especially here um yeah. we've got at the very start we've got him giving a shout out to the recently at that time recently uh accused michael jackson I don't believe you're bad. Guilty before you've been given a chance. I don't think we need to really get into the allegations or any future allegations, but um, I, I think it's a nice little shout out kind of in support of, I, I, 
doubt they were really friends, but maybe they were acquaintances or something. But you know, uh, like you said, the bass record really good. So Adam has some nice moments there early on. But spe- know, speaking he- of Adam on this song, um, and it's on several other songs too, but I think I first noticed it here where he's playing those bass pedals um, to get the really low bass sound. Okay. And there's actually one point where he hits the wrong note. I mean, obviously, it, it doesn't sound terrible, but it's a little noticeable if you're listening to that. Uh, you know, another thing, and, and uh, we don't know because we just go by the audio we can hear, but I felt like the backing track just sounded really like crystal clear and really strong. And maybe it was up loud. And especially when they come out of the first chorus and it comes back, like when it kicks back on, you really hear like the, the, the synth string part to it as well, really loud. But um, to be honest, to be honest, you know, we we just did Love Town last week, and obviously there's some great vocal moments at the end of this version of Bad. But I I was not, you know, I hadn't listened to this version in quite a bit, quite a while. But I was not totally blown away by his voice in the first half of the song. You don't I, like the false, the the wide awake falsetto that he throws in there? Well, I love that. I mean, obviously it's different and not at as powerful end, but well, i love that at the end i guess i mean as i said he gets after it at the end but i, I still get that sense and, and you guys let us know if you what you think about his singing on some of these songs but i don't know if i've never noticed it before on zoo tv or maybe it's just more apparent here as he's kind of dwelled more into the the tour and doing more mcvisto stuff but the first verse i felt like the first couple of verses felt so much more restrained to me and felt like you were singing in a little bit of an accent again, singing with a twist of like that Mephisto sound. Um, yeah, I, I I don't really hear that so much, but it's it's an interesting point, and you know maybe something and, subconscious going on there. Right, right, and you know at the end he definitely blows it away um, and has some awesome runs there at the end. You know, one thing that my favorite part of the of the song, and I think we were. Chris and I were both really introduced to Bad Live through Rattlin' Hump is the desolation, isolation, and temptation, that part. And I really kind of judge a lot of bad, not just on that part, but that's the part I'll look at. You know, I felt like that on this song was, uh, he almost spoke that part. Didn't seem like anything that's that true special. yeah i mean and that's something i mean we, we talked about it in uh new year's day as well he kind of spoke the verse there but um i don't know maybe, maybe he was like again he sounded great but maybe he just wasn't feeling super all there because there, yeah. there are a couple times where he sounds like he you know half steps it a little bit but you know uh, uh, just uh, i actually went back and watched some clips of this on youtube and i mean the overwhelmingly positive comments on yeah of this, course this version of bad but yeah um, and there there are some you know uh, and i'm not totally against zoo tv bad i think there's some definitely really good versions out there but this one just 
I was surprised actually because I was really expecting this to be a to be a great version, but it had its moments. But I think from beginning to end, it's it was not you know one of my favorites. I mean, I think I think it's on the level of the Love Town version we listened to in the last show, where you know it's basically a ten out of ten performance, but there's yeah. nothing super special, like super yeah. crazy different yeah. to sink your teeth into. That's that's a very good point, but. Uh, one thing, you know, this did have a couple snippets on it, which the last one we discussed it. And, and I even sure. made a note here. I, I don't think it was this version, but it was definitely ZTV tour when he started doing the fool to cry. may have done it before ZTV, but definitely did a lot on ZTV. And I remember when I first started listening to these bootlegs for ZTV, seeing, what is this fool to cry? I don't even like how it sounds, how he's singing it. And then I actually looked it up, and obviously it's the Rolling Stones song, and I love that song now. And that's one reason I love the snippets so much, because sometimes they turn me on to new songs I never even uh, knew before. But then, so obviously, think- he, he goes into a snippet of their own song the first time, which leads us into bullet the blue sky but not quite before a little a little brief i don't know if you call it a snippet but he says to end it he says do you feel loved like the song from pop so maybe they had that title working floating around at that Mm -hmm. time too yeah, then, I, I, that's a good point. I'm sure they did because it, I think it's on the, and once again, you guys out there, you, I know there's a picture of it, but you know, on the back of Zeropa, there's a bunch of song titles listed like in the artwork. And Bullet on Zoo TV, you know, I think a lot of people out there, they think this is, you know, they, they take this as kind of the ultimate version. Definitely had, you know, we talked about in Love Town, it had that anger, but I think this kind of steps it up a whole nother level. Um, you know, Edge is more in that aggressive guitar playing mindset. Bono sings a little bit more aggressively. Um, yeah, it's just anger. It's angry. Like everything's kind of taken up a, up a notch from from previous performances of the song. I will say, just thinking about the visuals of it, real quick, the the burning crosses on the screens is it's a bit much for me. Like it's like not like I'm offended by it or anything, but just like okay, we get it. You talk about burning crosses, you're showing pictures of burning crosses. All right. Talking about the burning crosses and your reaction to that, it makes you think of the girl they interviewed after the first night at Lakeland. Like, what do you think of all the subliminal messages? And she's like, yeah, all those messages really hit home. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of not a good thing if those are hitting hitting you that close to home. Like all those subliminal messages that came from the screen really hit home in a lot of places. You know, talking about Edge, again, like we, we can just go song by song here, but he is on a mission, basically, on this entire tour to show what yeah. he can do. And I, yeah. I know I've well, said it several times already, but, but you, you know, got to talk about is, it with Blue he, Sky here. Yeah.
during the making of this album, Edge was going through a divorce, and there, you know, Bono talks about how passionate he was playing on the the album, especially on the Love Is Blindness solo, and obviously that really carried through to the um, to the tour as well. You know, they take a classic song like this that has already has a guitar solo, but nothing real crazy, and then they just amp it up all the way to ten, and you know, they like you've got like even more of a breakdown part to it where you know bass and the drums kind of drop down is very cool sounding um yeah And Larry had some of those. Larry had some different fills in there, um, which sounded great. It was almost like those triple hits. Yeah, yeah. He did on uh, Innocence that um, started doing a bullet there too. But some just it's a great all around band performance. And so this this during the guitar solo, this is where we have the costume change, which I'm gonna need you to explain to me because he's dressed up as some kind of security guard or something. I don't under he's got like a bulletproof vest on, sunglasses, and a hat. I I, I never understood what this is supposed to be. I thought it was like a pilot or like a like a helicopter pilot or some kind of crew crew aircraft crew okay i i guess a pilot can make sense for bullet the blue sky um but but i think it's also like in the running to stand still like they kind of play some fighter pilot sounds and stuff and between the transition between Mm -hmm. streets Uh, 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 oh sure yeah yeah yeah. right but i don't know exactly what it is but um that leads us into running um which is just a great version not just this version, but the version on the whole tour, so different, so unique in its own in its own way. And I always wondered if this was something they had in the back of their mind on the album, and it just was so different they didn't want to do it, or they just totally revamped it just for the tour. Yeah, I mean, I'll say you know, as great as the original version is, I, I probably prefer this version to any piano-based running standstill I've heard. But um, yeah, it's absolutely perfect, and it's such. You know, I, I don't. I don't know if I'm saying it's such a Zoo TV sound because it's so related. You know, obviously it is Zoo TV, but it yeah. just feels everything about that performance, the way Bono is, um, is just so Zoo TV. But it's funny that you say that because I don't think there's much happening on the screens at all. It's probably one of the few songs there's not a, a big fo- focus. Is more on the individual performance of Bono. Yeah. I think the because Bono's out on the B stage by himself, so I think the lights are kind of all on him yeah. at that point. Um, but you know, and this isn't really different from the original version. But I love the way the song just builds on each verse, basically. So the first verse, you've got the guitar and the voice by itself, and the second verse, you've got Adam coming in, and then the third verse, finally Larry kicks in, and it's you know glorious with the full band playing. It's just a nice smoke, little build. Smoke building on stage. Sure. And the visuals of him in the harmonica with the aviator glasses. It's just uh, it's just and the, the, it's before awesome. even before the harmonica, we've got the hallelujahs, which I love. 
think that what makes this makes the song great is they can adapt it. They can make it fit kind of whatever the attitude or the the sound. It'd be hard to take that version out and put it in anything modern day. But like you were describing at the end, he's got all the smoke around him. He does the harmonic part, and then we've got what, in my opinion, is probably the best. You talk all the time about the transitions between songs. I think this is probably the best there ever. Yeah has been from running standstill into the well, synth part of streets. I said it's the best consistent transition. I, I was listening really closely, and Edge is, it actually sounds like Edge is playing. Yeah, yeah. But like you were saying, there's like this helicopter sound and the planes, and it's it's really the coolest. All this amazing music's going on, both synth and Edge playing, and you know, just Bono's attitude and focus walking back, you know, to the stage. Just it's just a great moment in the show, and you could probably argue it's the peak of the show. I know they always try to peak around streets and I think uh, this transition doing that night in night out kind of made that the peak. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. I think, even, I mean, as good as the Arctung songs are, the streets is always something special and, you know, it's interesting, um, you know, up until this point, which was, had only been just street tour in love town. It was basically always the set opener. Uh, with a cup with a very few exceptions um so you know it it was probably a bit of a thought process on where to have this yeah, in the set sure. um and so you know it's it's kind of ever since then it's kind of always been at this kind of point you know before the first encore basically i mean it's moved around right. a little bit but which, it's, it's always been allowed, this area. yeah which is allowed them to talk about transitions to do you know, if you think about every streets, and that's one thing you two and makes them so special live is, you know, they think about how the songs are presented. They think about what to play in, to play out of, and they really try hard to make these transitions connect with the fans and get people excited. And 
yeah, yeah. streets is usually the, the the biggest focus on having a transition there yeah what what's bono's quote about that that's when god comes into the stadium or something like that yeah yeah, on on streets we we've again got Adam playing the deep bass pedals for the intro and outro, which sound great. Yeah, then into straight into, you know, probably even a, at this point, probably even a more classic song in streets is sure. Um, Ninety three, and you know, it, it's it's kind of interesting having these two back to back. You know, I I said earlier that this was kind of their classic set, but these two songs especially back to back, and you know, they don't really zoo them up like you said, so it's kind of like a yeah, a, a hey you, I remember you type deal because yeah. uh, they're they're reminding them of what they sounded like five years ago, ten years ago. Right. That's crazy to think the pride was ten almost ten years ago at this point. But yeah. um, and I always love the MLK thing they do here. You know, I do too. The, yeah, the speech. Let the king sing across the border. But, you know, I, 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 when I was listening to it, I was wondering, I was like, how well, do, I mean, how well does Martin Luther King Jr. translate to a European audience? I mean, I'm sure they know of him, but I, I can't imagine, you know, it, it would have the same impact as playing it in America. But, Very true. Um, That's a good point. That's a good point. But, you know, I think this tour, I mean, this, this version especially, I, I can't because pride live is not really one I focus on listening to, but this performance, his voice sounds incredible. Like he sounds to me younger than he did on the love town show. We just listened to like, I, yeah. I think he's well, he like, he's not sounding like he's pushing it as hard. It sounds like it's just coming naturally. Right. I think he's just found more of his range. And I think, I think he learned a lot about his voice on this tour because he and uh, into the recording of the sound because he kind of found that new falsetto voice, which right. you could almost argue he uh, leaned on too strongly for pop. So then we've got and the then, end of the main set, and we've got what is called the zoo. What is it zoo confessional? Zoo TV confessional? I think it's zoo confessional. Yeah. Do you want to kind of explain what that is real quickly? Well, I don't think we need. To yeah, spend a this, lot is, time this on is this is this is kind of different. Um, but they had these like a confessional set up at the venues and fans could go in and say things and they would play it during the encore. But then since this was closing down the end of the leg, probably the last two shows or two or three shows, they did a crew confessional where the crew came in and, um, cheers. Hiya guys, I know you're all out there, Tim Buckley, Jake, Joe, Willie, everyone in trucking, lights, sound, video, backline carpenters. It's been good work and you'll hope to hell I never see you ever again. And incidentally, Mom, happy birthday. This is not a problem, especially for those of us who are not going to Australia. Take care, guys. Good, right there. Who was that guy? 
you know, listen to it on the bootleg, yeah, it's kind of interesting, but I think if you're there at the show and especially early on when it was fans who were actually doing it, you know, it'd be kind of interesting, kind of cool. You know, again, it's, it's a very forward futuristic thinking thing. Yeah. Did. Um, I mean, I, like you said, listening to it, uh, unless I'm doing something where I'm trying to listen to the whole thing, I would probably skip this, this, but, um, you know, in the, in recent years, they may not do it as much anymore, but you know, if you went to a big show, it'd be like, text this number. If you want your message to be shown on the screen before the concert. Um, right. So, you know, it's a very cool thing. Obviously, this is a little different when you've got video and people put their faces out. Um, but it, it's a very neat idea, which obviously they were full of at this time. Yep. And then we go into another classic Zoo TV sounding version of an older song. Not really that old, I guess, for this time. but into An effed up version, as I like to call it. We've yeah. got the huge, incredible, flanging sound on the guitar which it, it's cool in that it's so aggressive and mean sounding but uh it gets old it gets on my nerves a little bit because it, it's yeah. just so washy sounding yeah. um, i just feel like it's so weird with mcfisto doing desire and yeah, um, yeah, I agree. And you know, you you were saying earlier how you hear that accent kind of come in sometimes to the songs, but this one obviously he's trying to do the accent while singing right. it. Well, the red Um, and it, it's funny, kind of the exact opposite of what you're saying. It's, it's funny to, to kind of hear him lose the accent while he's doing it. Like he goes into like his regular Bono singing voice. Right, um, right. Just out of habit, I'm sure. And then at the end, you've got those, the, the cannons going off, firing the zoo dollars or zoo bucks, whatever they called them. Oh, okay. I, di- I didn't realize that's what that was. But yeah, that's, that's cool. But that that end part is cool. Like it's you know an extended outro. Yeah. It reminded me a lot of the, the way they ended Vertigo on uh, the 360 tour, if you can recall that. Yeah. yeah, no, that's that's true. And then Mr. McFisto gets his time in the spotlight here yeah which which i think you know uh, the washington show washington zoo tv show where bono does the call to the white house 
I think the phone calls in America to the White House was probably went over. I think that was maybe a little better than in Europe, which was kind of all over the place and different ones every night, which kind of sounded well, a little more specific to where they were. But sure. I think I still think it was I still think it was awesome, a really cool, fun idea. I think it was once again very forward thinking, very innovative. But I don't think it was as good. I just think if you had to rate that, I would say that the America calls to the White House um, or ordering pizzas. Granted, granted, yeah. Sure, but th- this one is a a, a planned thing. It's like yeah. it's not like he's actually no. prank calling anyone. It's a recorded message where they say, "Off with the horns, on with the show." of the United Nations. I'm sorry, we're closed for lunch. But if you're a small third world nation facing genocide, please leave the name of your country after the beat and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. Thank you. You know whose voice that is? Whose voice is it? Paul McGinnis. Is that right? The manager. Yes. Former manager. For their whole career except the last five years, I guess. Um, But yeah, and then I, I love going into, and it's the same on uh, Sydney as well, getting the crowd singing along with help. When I was younger, so much younger than today, I never needed anybody's help in any way. Now these days are gone, I'm not so self-assured. Now I finally changed my mind, open up the door, help me if you can, I'm feeling down, and I do appreciate you being proud, help me get my feet back off the ground, won't you? I love how, you know, once again, transition right from that drop into the synth intro for Ultraviolet. Was there ever a better time that they played this song than on Zoo TV? It was just so, yeah, it, it, it's, it's so a, fantastic. No, it's, it's a great performance. You know, on almost every song we talked about edge backing vocals, no different here. Um, I, I even made a note. I felt like Bono was really singing the song as Bono here, which led me to say that was of the whole Octane Baby album, I'd say this is the most U2 sounding song on the whole album. Yeah, of, of like even, their past years. Yeah, yeah probably. And even what even what's to come too. Sure, you know, that's true. The drum beat on here is another one, like I mentioned with the fly. That's you know a very inventive, different kind of rock drum beat that he's he uh, Larry plays here, which is again perfect to the song and just very cool. And like you said, Bono is kind of singing as Bono here. And near the end, when he's doing the baby, baby, babies, it, it, he gets pretty intense with it. And it's, it sounds fantastic. 
but then we go on to um, with or without you, which ha- you know I think Bono really takes us to uh, the musically. It's kind of the same, but I think the Bono's performance kind of makes us into the a little bit more of the Zoo TV vibe, Zoo TV feel, and just kind of thinking about you know some of the the performances and watching him how he performs a song, definitely different than what we've seen in the past with him playing guitar and more or less just kind of standing there singing it, you know, it's, he's moving around a little bit more interact, you know, right. bringing people up on stage and those kind of the things. Makeup, but, the makeup sweating off his face at this point. Yeah. He's kind of coming yeah. down from the McFisto high. Right. And I love the little scent. Uh, it sounds like something reversed. <laughs> Usually this song is a high point for me, um, really, no matter what tour we're talking about. But this one didn't really stick out that much to me. It felt short. It felt yeah. shorter. And I look at the timestamp, it is shorter. No snippets at the end. Right. And once again, you know, he sings the song, and I even wrote, vocals great, true vocals. But then, except for the Give Yourself Away, if you if you listen to that give yourself away, you can feel that McFisto vibe coming through there. And it's almost spoken. It's a you know a little bit almost spoken, you know, too, which is uh, definitely you know definitely solid. But still, some of those moments to me, which has never bothered me that much before. But really, when I listened to this show this time, it really took away from the songs when he was singing because his voice is so strong naturally right now that I didn't feel like he needed to modu- you know modify it any. That's interesting. I I mean, obviously, on these uh, in the encore, you're going to get some of that because he's is in the McFisto mode. But uh, yeah. I, I I really didn't pick up on that as much as you have. Um, and then we are finishing off on the ultimate downer. Before yeah, we get- it, yeah, you could for sure you could argue that. I mean, you know, they haven't ended too many shows on slower stuff in recent years. I guess. Well, thirteen that. That's what this reminds me of is ending the show on Love is Blindness. It reminds me of 13. But this this is an amazing song. This oh as goodness. far as yeah. for musically, this might be you could and granted I'm not uh, I'm not a music theory expert by any means, but just listening to this song, it just seems like it's one of the more compe- complex songs um in, in U2's catalog. It's just so different. I could listen to so many different versions. This version, uh, different than the album version, again, it doesn't start off with the heavy bass. It starts off with just a light guitar and like a little, I don't think it's a cowbell, but it's some kind type of percussion going in the back. Um, but when that bass and synth comes in, I oh could yeah. just take that I could take that all day. Love is clockworks, 
Oh yeah. And then, you know, what my favorite part is it's not really the guitar solo, but it's like a guitar break. Bono goes up high in the falsetto and then Larry comes in with the snare drum. so awesome sounding um yeah. but then when he finally does go into the real guitar solo and he extend again it's extended from what's on the album and it's incredible an incredible guitar solo and, and, and for those of us who listen to a lot of bootlegs and a lot of live you too it's a songs like love is blindness or a song like you know please or a song that's that's very of that tour and that's really the only time you heard that song when you go back and listen to these the, it, like, these are the kind of moments that really make some of these bootlegs stick out um, because obviously we hear streets so many different times and yeah there's great performances in each of these bootlegs but hearing you know these songs that are really only saw the light of day on a certain tour and being able to go back and listen to them and that's definitely true for this tour because we've talked about that several of these songs were kind of disappointed with the lack of representation they had on later tours but kind of like you said it it keeps them in this you know we're we're not discussing how whatever his his voice fell off for you know the chorus of love is blindness or whatever but um but then the the tell me what what's happening in the, that guitar solo after the solo when the to, when the guitar tone changes definitely a heavier fuzz comes on and then either he's playing it on the infinity guitar that he plays with or without you with and he kind of has that mode engaged so like the you know the sustain of the note less forever or he's holding an ebo um which i've seen him do for yeah some right. other songs yeah. before but yeah, I think um, I think you might use that on this song, but this—I mean, you could argue this is the best song of the night, uh, or the boot, uh, to, on the bootleg. To me, it, it, I mean, it would I, be a good argument to make. I mean, it, it's, I would almost to me, it's almost bookended. Zoo Station into Love Is Blindness. Um, as, as I mean, the, yeah, that's also just, the opener and closer of the album, so it yeah. kind of works out that way too. 
Yeah. Yeah. But it's just listen to that. I really not, had not listened to that song in probably a year uh, live. And that just really blew me away. Yeah. Um, Can't help falling in love, which is a song that I used when I was first getting into you too. And I was trying to show off Bono's voice. I remember using this song a lot. Like listen to how, listen to how he sings this song. It's, it's as future would say sensational. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) sensational, uh, before we start talking about his voice, there is, uh, a little bit of a question as to what Bono says before the song starts. Um, what I'm hearing is there's only one has in the fish baby. Obviously, I'm not so sure about that middle part, but I think I've got the stuff on the outside, right? There's only one something, something baby. Because he's just putting a, a female fan that he brought up on stage from Love is Blindness back into the crowd. So he is probably saying something directed towards her, I'm guessing. But um, yeah, th- this this performance, obviously, it's it's a showcase for Bono and his voice. Um, and it's the end and of the night. It, it's exactly, the end of the to, show have, after, to have uh, that half, still left in the tank. So controlled. Yeah, um, it's, just full singing. You you know, use upper register, and then there's some lower register in there, and you know the the contrast between that. And I just love how you know, just he can throw it around, just throws it up. There's no step up into that high. I mean, I guess he does right. kind of step up a couple times, kind of, but it's it's very clean sounding. Once again, I hadn't heard this in a while either. And it just it's almost the further you're away from some of these songs, when you come back to them, they're, they're even more impressive. Sure. Um, that's, this is definitely one of those. You know, it, it's, it's we, we kind of talked about Love is Blindness being the closer, which it more or less is. This is just kind of a, a little addendum onto that. But it's, it's a nice little thing. So you don't leave the stadium on thinking about just how down of a song Love is Blindness is. You get a little, oh, the angels come, as John Lennon says. But uh, um, it's, it's a nice little, you know, uptick in the mood before the concert's yeah. over. And and I just love, I love the Elvis walkout. I think that's awesome. How they walk out to Elvis's version of King Hall. Oh, right, right, right. That's right. It comes playing on How that comes on. I mean, that's just awesome. And that is Zoo TV in Dublin. We really enjoyed listening to this one. Um, again, the, this one we weren't as totally familiar, familiar with as the last one we did. So um, even though we're familiar with a lot of the ways these songs are performed, it's, it's nice to listen to this one again. For sure. As I said, it's kind of the, the further you're away from some of these versions, the more, the more special they are when you come back to them. But I will be honest, they were, I did leave a little surprised finishing that I wasn't leaving as blown away with some of the performances as I was maybe expecting to. 
And, you know, the other thing is, you know, it depends on your mood, as we kind of talked about before. If you ask my favorite U2 song one day, it could change the next day. But it's like Love Town or Joshua Tree and Zoo TV are two totally different sounding tours, two totally different feels. And, you know, if you had to ask me today, right now, I would say the, the Love Town show we listened to before, I would put that ahead of the show, personally. Um, now, two months from now, that could change. But um, there's just a couple of things that, as I mentioned, that I was kind of surprised to hear that I didn't, uh, I didn't like as much as some of the things on the, uh, the Love Town show. So we've, we've hit their two live back-to-back peaks, 1989 and 1993. Um, and then I think next episode, maybe we'll discuss when they're reapplying for the job title of the best band in the world. Until then. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Sensational.